Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. We're not talking about relationships. We're not talking about growing together. We're talking about shrimp in the hot tub and whether or not Elizabeth is there. We're not resolving conflict. We're talking about shrimp. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues coming at you with episode four, week three. It was two hours long. We saw some grilled meats and we saw some football. 
That was my professional sports announcer voice because tonight we saw a professional sport being played within another professional sport. I'm talking about, of course, football and The Bachelor. Let's go! Oh, this was the episode. When people tell you The Bachelor ain't a sport, you sit them down and you show them episode four of season 26, where they give out a literal fucking trophy and they call it The Bachelor Bowl. And they play highlights from previous seasons. A history of. It was like a 30 for 30 ESPN style documentary. Yeah. We get ahead of ourselves. I know. I know. Of course. We always do. Okay. But fuck, I couldn't believe what we were seeing. Before we get into that NFL sausage fest, thank you to everyone who bought our book, How to Win the Bachelor. We really appreciate it. It was a remarkable week last week, our pub week, to have you all tagging us, getting your books, and seeing all the creatures, and it it brought some... Uh, forced tear play out of out of case case. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. It was it was so fun to see how much people are starting to enjoy the book now that people have it in their hands and they can read it. And we're seeing favorite passages highlighted and things that people are finding in the book that they're enjoying. Yeah. And we're also loving seeing our reviews on Amazon that are coming in so far. They're all five stars. Please rate this pod book. Please review this pod book. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this pod book. Yeah, yeah, if you have time, if you care to go on Amazon, please rate this pod book. That will help us out. It'll help us get up in the Amazon charts and all that stuff. We're still trying to push this thing as hard as we can to maybe make a bestseller list or two so that we can sell our show. God, I hope we can sell our show. It would be such a good show. <laughs> But here's the other show. We're talking about the document. We're talking about game day. We're talking about episode four of Clayton, the ultimate Viking season. Let's go. Good job, Clayton. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. So we start out as we always start out with these intros. Tonight on The Bachelor, says DLP, and we see a Houston Huju. We see some kisses, horses. There's a private concert. We see a forklift. Now, for those of you who may not know, the forklift was invented by one pilot, Pete Popeye Weber, in season 24 of his uh, Bachelor season. This is a move where he would take a player lift her up onto any flat surface nearby. We're talking about a bar. We're talking about pool table, what, what have you, anything he could find. He would lift them up and then initiate some kind of chemistry play with them. And we saw here Clayton doing an homage to one of the greatest bachelors that ever lived. We also see Shanae playing with the other players. She's pointing a finger in someone's face. We've got the shrimp wars in full swing. We see football. We hear Shanae say, these bitches are not sending me home. We see Sierra tattling again. And then we see Shanae tossing a trophy. We will come to learn that this is basically the entire episode. They've essentially shown us literally everything that is going to happen here. Everything that happened. Exactly. Unbelievable. In the order it happens, no less. They didn't show us uh, tear play at the rose ceremony, I guess, for who went home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was some stuff in the middle. They didn't show us the creatures necessarily, but they showed us basically everything. 
And so then we come into our show. Portion one begins. We see the morning sun cresting over the mountains. A rose is in bloom. And the players are congregating in the kitchen, shit-talking Shanae while she sits alone by the pool. So just so everyone understands, when things like this happen, they are designed that way. The producers pull Shanae. They tell her to go sit by the pool. We need to get some B-roll of you just staring into the sky and thinking about shit. Then they get all the other players in the kitchen and they say, shit, talk Shanae. This is all manufactured. Yeah, it's called a uh, girl chat. And in this girl chat, Dill says, I've never had a personal problem with Shanae, but it's hard to see someone as sweet as Elizabeth go through it. And Gabby is the moral center of this episode in her ITM. She says, it's the consensus in the house that Shanae was irrationally lashing out. And Susie says, I don't think Clayton is stupid, but he can't see what we see. But she won't ever say anything to Clayton. This is the only touch we see, the only breath, hint of Susie participating in this uh, drama. I couldn't believe that they showed her there in that room. But it was brief. She has her ITMs, but briefly we see her literally in the room with them. And I know last week I was talking about Susie Evans might be having her own room. The producers were sequestering her to mm -hmm. keep her out of the drama. We called this the Evans Chamber. But tonight, I think it deserves taking a little trip to Conspiracy Town. Population me. I think it is much more uh -huh. than an Evans Chamber. I believe oh, Susie Evans does not exist. <laughs> I realize this sounds crazy and it is just a theory. She may exist, but I think there is reason to believe <laughs> that she's computer generated. What kind of budget you think this show has? That's why we never see her because it costs so much money to drop her into a fucking frame to put this computer generated character like little Michaela into the show. I mean, look, they're going to do this eventually. Susie Evans could be the first try. You think little Susie is like little Michaela? Yeah, basically. Look, she has done Disney princessing. Yes, I agree. Playing characters are so they they tell us. That will probably be where we first see the AIs. It'll be at Disney. If she's real, she did the Disney princessing. If not, isn't that an interesting backstory to have for her? I mean, it's perfect. She does Disney princessing. She's a wedding videographer and she knows jujitsu. Hmm. Sounds very <laughs> written. Sounds like someone created a character almost that's perfect for our show. Did you coach her? <laughs> I made her, yeah. She's my first AI coached artificial intelligent <laughs> robot player CGI model. I'm just saying, if <laughs> if you were to create an AI who would be really good at The Bachelor, you would create a Susie Evans. I mean... Exactly. Now you're understanding. She's got next crown vibes. Welcome to my town. Oh, welcome to I'm not in your town. I'm just saying. Yeah. You just rented an apartment in Conspiracy Town. No, I did not. You just paid your first and last month's rent. I believe she's a real person because <laughs> I believe that the show's ratings are declining and they're not making more money than they were when they couldn't have an AI character. Look, I'm, I'm not saying it's real, but I'm not saying it's not real or I'm not saying it's not not real. That's all. It's interesting. Very interesting. Well... <laughs> Elizabeth ITM, she would be very hurt, upset, and afraid if Shanae stays in the house because she's completely unpredictable. 
And Clayton ITMs. He's wearing a rose tie, by the way. A lot of personality coming in this in this style. That tonight he's going into the rose ceremony with a somber mood. That some of the ladies try to squash the beef before he gets there. Suggested by Genevieve. And Shanae says, some of you don't acknowledge when I talk to you. And Clayton says, sorry to interrupt, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's great. And you see it just oh, a wash comes over all their faces. They're pissed off. They're arguing. And then all of a sudden, oh, hi, Clayton. <laughs> they turn on a dime. All of them. That's gameplay. Uh-huh. It's open gameplay here. And we're going to go throughout the rest of this episode and just see so many examples of open gameplay speech, open gameplay from the, the very player's accusing other players of doing it. And again, this is what the game has become. How can you effectively openly play the game and accuse other players of doing it and you yourself somehow completely avoid the accusation? That really is what the modern game is now. You have to be able to serve that sauce and have none of it served back to you. It is absolutely bananas. We are seeing, I'll say, amazing social media play coming from Hunter. She's got these prepared videos. She's tweeting. She's on the on the socials. Meanwhile, she and she says here, let's instigate the conversation before rose ceremony in order to squash it. She's obviously thinking ahead here. But in a previous episode, she was like, how dare this player ask me if I had prepared my limo exit speech or my dumping speech? That's what I'm saying. It's really about when can you effectively use your outrage at someone openly playing the game and then avoid having that outrage put back toward you. And I think it really boils down to second and third audience play. You have to have a good relationship with the second audience so that they don't target you. So you won't really even have to ever answer for an accusation like that. And then third audience play, they're the ones who are going to cut your your entire appearance. It depends on who you wind up being as grocery store Mm -hmm. Joe said, or I should say, it depends on who you wind up being. That's my grocery store (laughs) Joe. Maybe that was a little villainous. I'll get there. But those are the two things that you really need to avoid this type of attack coming at you while still being able to use it against other players, which is, I think, the hallmark of the game. Unless you're Susie Evans, who may or may not be real, and you have the complete protection of the producers. Susie Evans. It depends who you wind up being. Yeah. You know what? GSJ, maybe. Maybe he's an AI. I'll go with that. (laughs) Yeah, no human could have created a sauce so good and delicious. Clayton plays a bachelor's preference and pulls Shanae and Elizabeth. Elizabeth immediately apologizes to Clayton. Sorry you have to do this. And she does an ITM. What's happening in that brain of hers? What's happening in there? It sounds like a scary place and some intense face play on this ITM. I liked that. Yeah, it was a pretty good ITM. And we, we've we seen these little impromptu mini two-on-ones. This is not an official two-on-one. They are not going out mm-hmm. anywhere for a date. He's just pulling them both simultaneously for a conversation where they will be forced to basically address whatever the thing is. And this is going to be used, of course, to build Shanae into a bigger villain. Because now... I mean, we'll, we'll get to the end of it. I'm, I'm skipping ahead. But basically, they sit down. They sit in front of this fire pit. So it's even hellish in nature. That's as close as they can get to a hostile environment there at, on the mansion grounds. But Clayton tells him that he needs to hear from them both to suss out what's actually happening. And Elizabeth is up first. She explains that Shanae was defensive and told her to fuck off. Shanae says she was upset 
and that Elizabeth makes her uncomfortable and is toxic. So she's throwing some pretty big accusations here. She initiates a bullying attack by saying she feels bullied, and Elizabeth asks for an example, and this is when we then get the shrimp wars coming back in, or what they're calling shrimp gate. They're really branding it as shrimp gate. They hate shrimp wars. They don't want you to have this. <laughs> I kept thinking that. <laughs> yeah, they're they're coming after me. I think they just brand one thing a season gate, and I don't know if the players are branding it shrimp gate or if the producers have told them to say it. Champagne gate, yeah. Exactly. I could see it being the players just kind of saying like, oh, this is our champagne gate. We'll call it shrimp gate. I can also see the producers being like, so what do you think of Shrimpgate in their ITMs? And the players are like, oh my God, Shrimpgate, that's so funny. I love Shrimpgate. Mm -hmm. I can see them inserting it that way. But definitely here they have this giant argument about the Shrimpgate and Shanae was giving her shrimp in the hot tub. She says she wasn't in the hot tub. She says, you're a fucking liar. You were in the hot tub. It's just this back and forth. And you see Clayton's fucking head. He just... (laughs) All the color drains from his face. No expression. He just looks straight down, staring into a void, like does not want to be there. You can see the start of the breaking happening. He is starting to break. <laughs> you you totally can. He's giving up. This is like the, the same look that a gazelle gets on its face when a lion catches it in its jaws around the neck and the gazelle just accepts. I'm dying. This is how it ends. And (laughs) they just totally give up on trying to survive. That's what's happening here with Clayton to some degree. And Clayton eventually stands up from this and says, I need to take a minute. They continue to argue with one another in his absence. And then eventually Elizabeth even removes herself from the conversation. And Shanae ITMs that her shrimp was better than Elizabeth's. (laughs) <laughs> because Elizabeth's shrimp, the shrimp that Elizabeth cooked, gave her the shits. <laughs> she said, "I her shrimp was really bad. I think she put poison in it. The next day I was shitting real bad. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I, like, she also cooked shrimp. She didn't eat any other shrimp she cooked for herself. Didn't eat anything else. She's clearly drinking all day. I don't think she had the shits. I think she made the shits up. She- as an <gasps> insult. Conspiracy town. She had no shits. That's right. Prove it. Shanae had real, regular, and normal shits. They were not bad shits. That's my conspiracy. <laughs> Susie is an AI. Shanae's shits were normal. Say what you will about Shanae. She is leaning, obviously, extremely hardcore into a gameplay villain style of play. Mm-hmm. And I think she finds all of this funny. I think she is competitive, but I think she also finds what she's doing funny. Because saying that, that I was shitting real bad after her shrimp, my shrimp was better than her shrimp, like, that shit's fucking hilarious. She has to know that. She was reminding me a lot of Crystal Nielsen during this episode. Mm. Just sort of like leaning a little, you're like, does she believe what she's saying? Does she not? But yeah. you're like leaning into that villain trope a little bit and coming up with these memeable, I think she does a mic drop, which I think Crystal Nielsen also did. She like dropped glitter. Yeah. Oh God, that's right. She dropped her glitter. I had little moments of Demi Burnett shining through her in some of these Mm -hmm. ITMs. That one specifically. I could see Demi Burnett being like, my shrimp was better than her shrimp. I was shitting real bad. You know, I can see little things, these comedic flares she's throwing into some of this Mm -hmm. really, I think, are strong. And if she wasn't a hardcore gameplay villain style... She might be able to be a colorful narrator type thing. I'm seeing true comedic talent coming from Shanae here. 
And uh, anyway, I, I liked this ITM very much. I thought it was very funny. They go out on the another ITM. Elizabeth looks like Corella Deville. Wear your Dalmatians, bitch. I need a fucking drink. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's funny. Meanwhile, Elizabeth is says, "Did she just call me fat?" Like Elizabeth is assuming the worst at this point. Yeah. And we begin portion number two. <laughs> I. I wrote, they don't want you to have shrimp wars. <laughs> I'll always have the shrimp wars. They call it shrimp gate a thousand times. We're at the cocktail party and we see Shanae eating at a table of food, which it appears Shanae is the only one who has access to. And we mm-hmm. zoom in on the shot where then we see the shrimp up close on the table and then only Shanae eating. And the women watch as she walks by with a plate full of shrimp. And we've seen this. This is a producer tactic that we saw them use against Kristen Whitney on Bachelor in Paradise 5, 6? What was she? Scallop Fingers. What season was that? Mm, Season 5. But they did the same thing to her. And we heard on some podcasts that she was on that she didn't even like scallops. And they just kept making her eat scallops again and again and again. It was the only food she could eat because she was given this moniker scallop fingers by them. So they're doing the same thing here with Shanae. They're like, here, come eat at this buffet. It's all shrimp. And we'll see later in the Uh football game, people are grilling meat. They give her a bunch of shrimp to grill. It's just like, all she's now going to get is shrimp, pure shrimp diet. We get Gabby doing some of her colorful narration here. I'm never going to be able to call shrimp its name again. Call it a crustacean. It's big and has a tail and you dip it in cocktail sauce. I feel like that was such a like, we gave some examples of like colorful narration lines in the book. Like use this in this scenario. And this is such a classic right here. Perfect. Jill is pissed that she's turtling. She wants Clayton to get to know her. <laughs> Then Genevieve starts fighting with Shanae, starting a rivalry between the two of them. How come you didn't talk about on the date? You talked about her mental issues. You're wrong, and everyone knows that. And Shanae calls Elizabeth a liar and then grills everyone. Was she in the hot tub when I offered you shrimp? (laughs) She's really sticking to this one detail. And then Genevieve starts screaming. What am I not getting? While Elizabeth is clutching a couple women's hands in a prayer to just get through this. <laughs> and Dark Lord Palmer comes in. Guess what? Cocktail party is canceled. You should assume every cocktail party will be canceled. Yeah, straight to Rose. The, and the thing is, like, they, they get pissed at Shanae for this. She's the one who's causing all this trouble. It's the fucking producers. They have generated all of this and they're the ones deciding if there's going to be a cocktail party or not. They go to him and say, hey, look, you don't have to do the cocktail party. If you're feeling bad about it, we can just go straight to Rose. And then he's like, okay, that sounds good. They're the ones putting shrimp on that table. Putting shrimp on the table. All of it. Like they've they've manufactured all of this basically. And they have a willing participant, Shanae. She's definitely down, but I'm sure they've probably already traded her paradise for whatever the fuck she's mm-hmm. doing. And I just want to take a moment here to really look at DLP, how he delivers this news, Mm -hmm. because it is different from DLH. DLH would come in with a slightly admonishing tone. Clayton has had a lot of stress and he doesn't want to continue with the cocktail party. So we're going straight to Rose. He would say it in a way that is like, it's your fault. This is your Mm -hmm. punishment. DLP doesn't do that. DLP is like, listen, Clayton has really been through it and 
he doesn't have it in him to do the rose ceremony. So we're just going to, or to do the cocktail party. So we're just going to go straight to rose ceremony. It's more of a sympathetic to the lead tone, which DLH mm. never had. He liked the punishment of it. Palmer doesn't have that yet. I hope he gets it at some point. <laughs> it's his first season. He's a happily married man, bright eyed and bushy tailed. <laughs> yeah. Right. Elizabeth then plays an IFI. I feel kind of sick. I can't stand to lose any of you. This is an IFI directed at the second audience. She also thinks she might go home and she plays tears. Portion three, we begin the rose ceremony. Clayton says tonight was very frustrating. I didn't feel I could mentally continue on with the night and give you all 100%. Apologize. First flower, Marlena. Two, Teddy. Three, Rachel. Four, Mara. We get tears from Jill and Lindsay in their ITMs. Five, Sierra. Six, Susie. I like that he's trying to bury Susie here at number six. <laughs> That's the producers. This order is all determined by producers. And I don't know if it's to throw off our rose quotient or why they're doing it. But why I think they're doing it is because she is obviously going to win the entire season. And they're trying to hide that. But she's not that far down. No. Like she can't be the first flower every fucking time. And then we get Jill, Serene, Genevieve, Hunter, Lindsay, and uh, is Shanae going to get the last flower? Oh my God, we don't know. Just kidding. There is no drama here. Even if we weren't PhD level scholars of our beloved game, which we are, uh, we still know that the producers need her. She's valuable. But also, we've all seen the promo that gives away the fact that she makes it through this rose ceremony to be listening through a wall to the other players. They've ruined whatever drama they're trying to build here, literally in their own show. Yeah, I've got a PhD. Pretty hard deal. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, before today gets... <laughs> Pretty hard. I'll get it. <laughs> okay, you keep working on it. Pretty hard. Pretty hard DLP does come out. Before the final rose is given. And we've noticed now, he's done this a few times in these first few episodes. He does come out right before the final rose and he does say, this is the final rose tonight. When you're ready, that's all very mm -hmm. DLH-ish. What he doesn't do is the dark touch. Mm -hmm. DLH would always do a dark touch at the final rose. He would place his hand in the small of the back of the lead and say, whenever you're ready, giving the dark energy, transferring it into the lead. Mm -hmm. Here, that does not happen. He has yet to apply this dark technique. Why do you think that is? I am not sure. DLP is more a fan of rubbing his hands together in a kind of earnest fashion mm. and saying, whenever you're ready. We'll see if time will change that, if he will become mm -hmm. more sinister in his dark lordship. I'm hoping yes. Mm -hmm. We're seeing like <laughs> SLP, Sunset Lord Palmer so far. Not, not DLP, Dark Lord Palmer, but we'll get to it. Yeah, night will fall on DLP. I'm on fire. <laughs> He does Tamsig yes. here, though. Goodbye, Melina, Kira, and Elizabeth. And Shanae ITMs. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Clayton believed me and squeals in cheers. Should be noted, this is an homage. It is the exact line that Ashley I gave in her season when she was about to go on a two-on-one date with Kelsey Poe. She was doing a reenactment of what she hoped it would be like when she got the two-on-one rose and came home victorious. And she said, ding dong, the witch is dead? Mm-hmm. God damn. It's from The Wizard of Oz. Yes. 
I know that much. But <laughs> do you believe Shanae? Heard of it? I've heard of it. Do you believe Shanae is paying this homage, or do you think the producers are now using historic mm. lines and telling players to say them in ITMs? Well, I believe the producers are giving her some of these. Okay. It's too many. She's got too many good one-liners. I agree. It does seem a bit suspicious. This isn't the last thing she says. We go out on her dancing with the rose in her mouth saying, I won. Elizabeth is gone. That better be a wake-up call to all of them. This is what happens. You'll get sent home walking down that driveway and your heels crying. Don't fuck with me. And she does the mic drop gesture. Glitter. Yeah, pure villain here. I mean, through and through and she's fucking loving it. Really, that's what you want out of a villain, in my opinion. You want them to be happy about their villainy. And I think here in Shanae, we've got... Mm -hmm. I mean, this is like Victoria Larson level, but not as... Victoria Larson was just like a whirlwind, like so chaotic. There was no rhyme or reason to it. It was just like, I'm at 100 at all times. Shanae has the ability to dial it down. She can yeah. sit in a room full of the other players and not make them mad immediately. It's more in her ITMs that it's coming through, and then she has some targeted attacks and rivalries and stuff. She's a fascinating villain to watch, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Portion number four begins. It's the next day. We see Gabby in tears. I'm just emotional, exhausted. Genevieve says, yeah, and Elizabeth went home. And then we get a bunch of off-base sentences. Gabby saying, justice wasn't served. It's hard when evil wins. I fucking laughed so hard when she said that. I'm like, excuse me, do you know what show you're on? Evil always wins. It's the producers. They win everything always. You can't, you can't beat them. There's no way that evil won't win on every season of this show. Uh, <laughs> Boom. Roasted. Justice will never be served. Gabby says she's not going to be a dick to Shanae, but he does. Clayton doesn't know her at all. And we cut to Shanae getting more of a villain edit because she's eating more food. Eating is evil. We never see anyone for TRR do it. And Gabby ITMs, I don't really trust her. Nobody wants to speak to her in the house. And we see a full girl chat. Everyone's there. And Jill says it's frustrating to see nonsensical things to me get in the way of my time. And the reason I'm here, she's pissed. She's turtling. She's vaguely blaming Shanae. And Shanae says, I feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. I can breathe and be open. Referring to the departure of Elizabeth. <laughs> she doesn't say ding dong, the witch is dead their faces <laughs> yeah she gets some eye rolls at that but then dlp enters and we see a little bit of a darkness shine in his eyes here because he uses a dlh type line he says well the group mm -hmm. is definitely getting a lot smaller he's enjoying the culling and that is something that <laughs> dlh savored in every fucking season uh -huh. and so he tells them well i have some bad news uh there's not a date today <laughs> He's got them all in pins and needles. Oh, my God, is Clayton okay? Because you're leaving the mansion for an international tour that starts in Houston, Texas. And we know we're going to get some I love Clevelanding happening in Houston once they get there. So we see all the players packing up. We see oh, their yeah. plane leaving. The jet takes off. We get this big aerial shot of Houston. We see some birds flying over like some flowers. All the players are out in front of the Houston sign. They jump in front of it. This is a recreation exactly of season 24 when they go to Cleveland. They literally did the exact same thing. And they scream the word Houston off a bridge. Lindsay W. says it's her hometown. Uh, we see them jumping on the bed. We always get that shot in the hotel. 
I thought this was a pretty decent I Love Cleveland. It was no Cleveland, but pretty good. I loved this I Love Cleveland. It felt very classic when they were jumping on the bed. I would have preferred maybe something more Houston specific for it. Like mm. mega churches. I don't know. <laughs> Joel Osteen refusing to take in victims of hurricanes into his church, something like that. A little more Houston. Oh, no. <sighs> oh by the way. I swear they all had Southern accents after they went to Houston. Did you notice this? I didn't, but I'll buy it. Okay, maybe it was just me. Hunter ITMs, we're going to see everything that's bigger and better. And we see a bunch of Texas flags. We see Clayton enter the hotel. His arms are 50 yards away from his body. I <laughs> He's just very broad. He's he might have done like a workout right before that. So he had his pump on and it was like he couldn't put his arms down. You know, that happens. Take it from me. OK, that happens when you work out real hard. You know, sometimes your arms just. Yeah. You know, sometimes. Oh, you get broad. Too many gains. Yeah. Once your gains are like that big. Just trust <laughs> me. It happens. You know, I trust you. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> Clayton ideas that he has friends in Houston, so it does feel more like home. Knock, knock, knock. It's Clarence, one of his best friends, who says, well, you in H-Town, buddy. They hoo-doo. Kind of. It was more of just like a pickup hug. Well, he can't hoo-doo because he's not a player, but he did play football at Mizzou. He is a father and is married, and Clayton loves that. We see pictures of his child, and Clayton says it's the perfect example of what I could have at the end of this. It's possible. Is there any way that, like, <laughs> Clayton has many friends in Houston, apparently. Would they have uh -huh. ever had an unmarried or childless friend come into this? No. Why would you? That's what I'm saying. So they're using this friend as a prop to like hit again, like marriage and children are all that matters. Throwing it right in your face. Yeah. It's kind of a council of crowns, but uh, a non-crown. Council of friend. And Clayton says, I have a really good feeling. I'll be down on one knee at the end of this. And his friend is like, we talk on the phone every week. Like, really? I wonder if they exchange this or like, Clayton will let you see your friend if you load this general precog. Oh, of course. They, of course, tell him, like, these are the things you need to get out. You're going to get down on one knee. You don't know who you're going to pick yet because his very next line is like, it could be, you know, it comes down to the last one or two or three or four. I don't know how I'm going to pick. It's like he's already selected. He's already picked his top two at the very least, in my opinion. Maybe some other things will happen later in the season. But I mean, it's insane to me that these lies keep getting perpetuated. But nonetheless, Clarence tells him, He's got to pick somebody who is his rock, the person that's going to be there for him through everything. And so he gets this good advice. And then we see back in the hotel room, Gabby is in the middle of a sentence talking about some general, oh, I can't wait for the day card. And there's a knock on the door. She immediately stops mid-sentence to scream as loud as she can. <laughs> and this to me was a great play. It's a little bit of face play. Yes. It's a little bit of like a colorful narrator, comedian style play. Just like she is ready when anything happens to fucking go into that next gear and do something hilarious, fantastically played here. We talked about this a little bit um, when we were talking about like phobias and how you should be scared of all different sorts of things and run away from creatures, scream at bugs, etc. Anything that's going to get you on camera. And I love this one screaming at the at the knock on the door. I'd like to see something even a little more elaborate, maybe a backflip. Mm hmm. 
maybe a sprint toward the door, maybe knocking people out of the way to go get the date card. Like there's a bunch of ways you could play this. And and this was a great one. A little subdued for my taste, but we'll see what happens in the future. She should scream and run directly into the nearest wall and fall down. <laughs> it should be like that meme, you know, that like where everybody like go, there's all this whole family in a kitchen and they all like, scream and grab like guns out of drawers and like weapons and stuff it should be like that sure whenever there's a knock happy to see it and then the date card arrives it is a one-on-one the first of two that are going to be happening this week it reads let's find our love in the heart of texas and this one goes to rachel Reckia, who's in my top four i know the other players all discuss being behind and how shitty it is to not be on the date card as rachel gets ready for her date And then we begin portion five. It's the daytime. We're at a farm. It's called Hill House and Farm. It seems like it's out in the woods or something of Houston. There's trees all around. And Rachel meets Clayton out in these woods on a small path. She's got plenty of room here. She winds (laughs) up. She has what seems like a pretty good approach. She does perform a hooju. Unfortunately... The producers give us what is, I believe, the worst footage I've ever seen of what is probably a very good hooju. I have no idea what the mount looks like. We get a brief shot of what looks to be a cling with no ankle lock. I have no real idea, though. That could have been a secondary portion of it after she achieved ankle lock. I have no idea. Uh, Some good Mm -hmm. kiss play. She does get some hands around the back of the head. We get no dismount footage. If the producers are going to force players to do hoojus. If they're going to fucking make promos out of how many there are going to be in a season, the fucking least they can do is shoot it properly and include that footage in the fucking edit. I don't understand this. It is just sloppy. (laughs) Top to bottom, sloppy. Are you saying the hoojus are part of the game or are you fucking not? It's a part of the game. That's what I'm saying. They look at each other like... They're using the fucking term in their official Instagram page. They are making promos of like multiple of them and say like, the, and they're calling it the leg hug or whatever. There's some trolling. There's some trolling happening. I don't know what, what is happening. I don't know what's real anymore. I don't know who's an AI, but I know that we're being trolled somehow. I don't know if they're trolling or if they're just bad. Like we've seen enough of this to know, especially, I hate to say it, in the post Elon Gale era, the show does not look as good. The presentation is not as good. Yeah, they got some fucking drones now and they can fly around and give us aerial shots of the mansion. You think he was the cinematographer as well? I don't think he was the cinematographer, but I think he put proper importance on things. So he'd be like, okay, we're going to have you do this hooju. And they would set it up properly. They would have Mm. the players start from far away. They would have fucking... I mean, shit, maybe he's in the control truck talking to the director and saying like, we need a good wide shot. Do you remember fucking Kelsey Weir's? I mean, this wasn't Elon Gale, but do you remember Kelsey Weir's Pilot Pete season, her first international hooju. We have an illustration of this in the book. Yeah, it's that one. It's the fucking illustration in the book. That shit was shot like a fucking action movie. I mean, it was fucking beautiful. They did not, however, on that one, give us dismount footage, I will say. But that was in the edit. They had the footage. They had the shot. That was in the edit. Anyway, I'm just saying, it didn't even look like they had the fucking footage for this one. And I lament it because I think, Rachel Reckia, I think you did a pretty good hooju here. I cannot give it any kind of a qualifying score because I don't have the footage. I mean, I loved her kiss play in the dismount. Like, I think yeah. she's a skilled hoojuer. 
I do she's, too. She's getting air. She's a pilot. They they can they know aerodynamics. They know how to hooju and not be awkward. And Clayton says Rachel is so charismatic. She's a pilot. She's humble. I get a big smile whenever I see her. And Rachel is a very good chemistry player. Right off the bat, she goes, are we going to be in the mud? Are we going to get a little dirty? Mm-mm, so good. He is wrapped around her finger. Yep. Right off the bat. And he says, country Clayton might come out. Who is country Clayton? <laughs> I don't know. Country Clayton must like a different type of pizza than pepperoni. That's all I could think. I, I don't know what is country pizza, but... There were a couple moments where I was like, oh, I think we're seeing country Clayton. I feel like country Clayton is like real mm. Clayton. And there were a couple moments. I'll, I'll point them out when okay. I think we see him. I also think she's a student in this game. She says the first date in Texas, and she hits that. And it is an animal husbandry date. We meet two horses, one for Clayton named Blue, a brown horse, and one, a white horse named Ash. And Blue was strutting his stuff. Blue was my. <laughs> Creature of the week. This horse. Let me just say, they're both great horses. All horses in our beloved game really are good horses. The shitting donkey maybe takes the cake of the equine family, but the horses are good. I'm going to give my award to Blue this week instead of Ash because Blue had the distinct honor, privilege, and challenge of carrying Clayton Eckerd around for however many fucking hours they had to just be meandering through the Houston forests, I guess. Oh my God. This whole fucking part of the state was bizarre as fuck. Houston is filled with the forests and strangers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> we'll get there in a minute. But Blue was my creature of the week. Congratulations, Blue. Uh, I don't know how you carried Clayton around for that long, but you did it. Clayton points out that she's not sweating. And he's, she says, I'm trying to fit in where you're from. And, she, and Clayton says, you're turning into the horse whisperer. Is everything you do hot? This is country Clayton. Do you ever mm. do anything that's not hot? Country Clayton. And the horse that she is sitting upon, this horse whom Clayton accuses of being a producer plant in order to make <laughs> Rachel Recchia look hot was my <laughs> creature of the week. You know, I don't want to give away my awards quite yet, but this horse contributes to someone getting one or more awards. Well, that's all I'll say. Oh. Some foreshadowing, but they seem to have a good little horse ride here. Sometimes the horses can be engaged in antics where they will misbehave and walk the other direction or whatever, but none of that seems to happen. They have a good interaction with their horses, and then the horses lead them into a clearing where they encounter a group of strangers, a family cooking meals in the Houston wilderness. And we are introduced to a couple of them, one of whom has his baseball cap on backwards, and he is, in my opinion, presented as the leader of this family of strangers. This is Robin, and he was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno. 
Bystander of the Week. I love these kinds of things. We've seen dates like this before where here's just a fucking family that you're going to be having a meal with. The bystander banquet date. The bystander banquet. Yes. (laughs) I also love the bystander banquets because they're so weird. They're so chaotic. You would never do this in real life. It doesn't exist as a as a thing. But they've done it a lot in this show. Who are these fucking people? How? I, we know they had one on um, Ari Leyendijk's season in Italy, I believe, where they just had dinner with, uh, I think it was CN Fleming. And yeah. they had dinner with a just some random fucking family. Just, hi, we're here in your house. Cook us spaghetti now. This is the same thing. Who are these fucking people? Where do the producers find them? Do they go? I think they go into Houston, some producers field producers with clipboards and they just go to somewhere like a public space in Houston and they say, hi, we're uh, shooting The Bachelor and we're looking for a family to be in one of our dates. Do you have a family? Do you like to cook grilled corpses and consume them with strangers? You could be in our show. I think they probably signed them up in some way like that. And that must be what's happening. Like, who are these people? Here's my guess. They probably don't take the whole L.A. production crew with them when they travel. I bet they have to get some local people. I bet these Hmm. are the families of the local production staff. There's my theory. Interesting. I love this date type. It's like it's kind of an offshoot of a ceremony of the ancients when you have like Mm -hmm. an elderly couple who's random and they talk to them about marriage longevity. And this is like kind of what we're going to get into a little bit. But it's like with the ceremony of the ancients, at least you have... There's like a believable reason that these people who've been married for 50 fucking years might be telling you something about how to stay together Uh for that long or what love means or any of that shit. I don't even know if these people that they're talking to, this family, if any of them are married. I don't even know if there's (laughs) like... They could all be brothers and sisters. I don't fucking know. Like, why are they in any way authorities on relationships or... It's so fucking crazy. I have no idea. I don't know. But we meet Robin and we meet a second man named Quee. Who says we're, someone says we're going to put you to work. Quee shows them his bourbon glaze. Clayton loves barbecue. And then we meet a third bystander. This is a lady in a sleeveless turtleneck. And she was the, I guess, the beta bystander, maybe a C-level bystander in some <laughs> sense. She doesn't get a name. But this lady steps up to the plate and grills the fuck out of Rachel Reckia. And that is why this turtleneck lady was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Clues, mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring, I'm ready to get out there, I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in Onyx, that's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing no- nothing 
Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. Clues, it is springtime. It is the off-season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank true. Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. (gasps) I'm a source boy, Quince boy. You got no idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. (laughs) Just call me Quinced, King Quinces, Okay, they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince King yourself or Quince Queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues, uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. She goes, how do you feel about Clayton? How many kids do you want? It's incredible. <laughs> and Rachel's like, I really feel seen by him. And it's like, what? Yeah, when? Was it when you were riding the horses 10 feet apart from each other? Or is it now when he's eating fucking hot dogs off some stranger's grill and you're over here demand being demanded to talk about how many kids you want to have by a stranger? It makes no sense, but she's playing correctly. 
because this is a fourth audience play. Mm -hmm. It's going to go into the edit and it's going to give us, the fourth audience, the idea that their relationship is building correctly. It's a fourth audience play. It's also a first audience play because Clayton seems to take this as this is what it would be like if we were hanging out with my family. He keeps saying that. And I'm like, but it's not your family. These are strangers. Yeah. You'd ride horses into the middle of nowhere in a Houston forest and find complete strangers (laughs) with your family. Is that what you mean? I didn't even know they had forests in Houston. They got trees. My parents used to live there. There were a bunch of uh, pecan trees in the neighborhood where they lived. God, it was filled oh. with squirrels. It was a squirrel paradise. Oh. There would literally be like 10 squirrels in this little patch where all these pecan trees were on the ground at any given time. You'd see them running up and down the tree trunks. They were just feasting on all these pecans. That's cute. Rachel loads love level one with this nameless bystander. Tells her also that she's ready to have kids, like four, and they cheers to coleslaw. (laughs) They reunite, and one of the bystanders says that Rachel has six, her dad has six brothers, so she wants 10 of her own, and Rachel jokes, maybe 15. So she and the bystanders are best of friends now. Clayton goes, I'm just going to go back over here. And Rachel goes, oh, you're just a little jokester. She has good girl Lauren Bushnell vibes here. And I feel like she is my new ring winner prediction after this. She's a very strong player. I'm not going to lie. Look, I had her in my top four. Yeah. Just off looking at her Instagram. But after seeing this, I feel very confident about that initial prediction. I agree with you. I think she's going to go far. Um, mm-hmm. she, she just knows like she knows the right tones to hit at the right time. And we'll we'll get to it here in the night portion as well. Like she doesn't let off the gas. She does everything pretty much correctly. The we see her thank Clayton over and over again for taking her here, even though he had no choice in this. We see both of our creatures nuzzling. We see Rekia eating ribs with the family. And Clayton thanks them for being part of his family for the day. And he ITMs, this could be our family. <laughs> <laughs> He has started to break, and now he's broken so much, he thinks this is his new family. Yeah, he's craving some kind of familial interaction. He's like, are you my new family now? Are you my dad? <laughs> he's like a toddler who like accidentally like grabs the wrong legs. Like, you're my mom, right? He gets lost in an amusement park. He gets lost in a Houston forest. But uh, this ends with some kissing out on this dock by a lake. And Rachel Recchia is ITMing strong feelings for him. That's a love level one. First, she forces him to memorize her full name, including middle name. That's a strong move. And they joke about playing hard to get. And he says, please promise me you're not going to be over me tomorrow. Her chemistry game is so strong. And she's ITMing. The things every good girl ITMs. I have very strong feelings for Clayton. It's happening so fast. It just skyrocketed from that point. For T. Rachel Reckia. Right. For the Rachel Reckia. That could be a song. I could hear that. For the Rachel Reckia. For the Rachel Reckia. I could put a beat on that. Yeah, we'll see what happens. She did a lot of ear pinching during this too, which I think is an interesting what? chemistry play. She had her hand continually on his ear as they were sitting on the stock and she was just kind of pinching his earlobe, which I think might be a specific chemistry play that she's doing. Interesting. Yeah. Take note. I do think that that's a strong move and it may work in the future. Erechia. Okay. <laughs> now you've gone too far. Forty Rachel Rechia, I will buy. Erechia, I'm not sure about. 
<laughs> Portion six begins. It's nighttime. We're back at the hotel and all the women are getting ready for the next date card. It arrives. This is a group date that says, meet me at the stadium. On this date will be Sarah, Eliza, Teddy, Marlena, Jill, Susie, Mara, Sierra, Hunter, Lindsay, Genevieve, Gabby, and oh my God, who's going to be the last one? Shanae. There's no mystery here. We knew that was going to happen. Again, just like the prior thing I was talking about, even if you're not a PhD in the study of our beloved game, you've seen the fucking promos, so you know it's her. They have already done away with this drama. Genevieve ITMs that she doesn't think Shanae is a nice person and there will be drama. And this means that de facto Serene is going to get that other one-on-one. Meanwhile, back on the first one-on-one, they are enjoying the night portion of their date. They go to eat in a barn. There's a rose on the table. And Clayton compliments Rachel Recky's confidence. And he says he has one thing on his mind. The more he talks to her, the more confused he gets and the more questions he has. And she's starting to sweat a little bit here. These misdirects. Jesse Palmer did this too when he's like, there's not going to be a date today. Clayton's pulling a little Dark Lord here himself. And he says, you know, I'm just wondering how a woman as beautiful as you with such a badass job, who's so kind, how, why you're here. And she's like, oh my God, I thought, you know, you were making me nervous, blah, 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 blah. But she's like, this is fucking easy, dude. You're lobbing me a fucking softball. Nice try, asshole, but I'm going to eat you alive. And she does just that. He is basically setting her up for a PTC play if she wants one. And of course she does. She says she doesn't want to scare him away, but... She never had any doubt about being a pilot. And as a woman, she's has to work, she just had to work even harder to prove herself more every single day. And she didn't have the best previous relationship. It wasn't supportive. He would see online that other people who travel in jobs like hers were cheating on their spouses. And he thought that she was doing that. And so she had no support. This is a heartbreak PTC. She never wants to experience that kind of conditional love again. And she thinks that she can make it work with the right person. And she wants to be married, have kids so bad, but still wants to be a pilot. And she thinks everything happens for a reason. And she feels like she is supposed to be there on the show for a reason, appealing to the idea of destiny, that she is meant to meet him. This is meant to be. And anytime you can supplant uh, or anytime you can plant an idea like that in a lead's mind, it's very good because now it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. This heartbreak PTC slash I will never ever sabbatical precog with a tid of spiritual slash religious slash destiny sprinkles was my play 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 of the game I thought this was a perfect example of how your PTC doesn't necessarily have to be traumatic. Everyone can have one. You can say my ex didn't support my pilot career. That can be your tragedy card if you want. It's some challenge you encountered. It's how it affected you, how it shapes how you see the future, how you're, you feel about relationships. I thought she did it brilliantly here. And he takes this exactly how you would think you would. And he says, everything happens for a reason. I love how passionate you are. It's so attractive to me. That's, you know, the main thing women mm-hmm. want to be attractive. And it, I don't have any concerns about that job. I would never hold you back from doing something that you love. So she's also getting him to commit to this idea that he's never going to have a problem with her schedule, basically. You know, I was going to give another thing my PTC 
but I think you're right. I think your play of the game or my play of the game. Sorry, my my POTG. <laughs> you were gonna give your PTC to this PTC. That's interesting. I was gonna play a PTC here about this PTC and talk about PTCs. No, I'm gonna give this my play of the game as well. Rachel Reckia's PTC heartbreak is my. Play, 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 play of the game. I had something else that I was going to talk about later, and I will still talk about it, but I agree with you. I won you over with my argument. You did, because you got me thinking about something about anything can be your PTC. And we talk about the pattern, the one-on-one pattern a lot, which is mm-hmm. great day portion, raise a wall right at the end of it. Then in the night portion, you use your PTC to take that wall down. There's no wall here. They had a perfect no. fucking day date. He loved it. And he's just like, how are you single? And she takes this very simple question that is like a kind of a compliment in that question, really, and turns it into the play of a PTC, which is going to obviously assure her this rose. But it also puts on display her level of skill. She knows a PTC needs to be played at this time, even though it isn't really set up in the traditional pattern that we like to see. She still uses it for the same effect. That's a high level Mm -hmm. play. And congratulations to Rekia for that. She also produces tears here, which amazing, amazing little sprinkle on top of this PTC. After she played this, I was like, I think she's the ring winner. I don't know how I didn't see this from her Instagram. Whatever. It's fine. It's because that girl who didn't make it in the show <laughs> tricked me. <laughs> but Rachel Reckia, her night's not over. She has one more surprise in store, he says, after a little kiss. And he takes her to a secret room in the barn. They each pry apart these giant doors to have a private concert by a band called Restless Road, who has 338,000 Instagram followers and they do the same weird rose ceremony in the middle of a private performance that they did in the last one-on-one yeah what is this i don't know it doesn't work for me and it's also takes away like if they are showing the the one-on-one rose on the table when they're having dinner yeah then what the fuck then they move it into this other room with a pedestal it, it doesn't work they move the chairs away from the table oh it's in a different room so they move the <sighs> stupid doesn't work at all bad producing i like the rose being the prize that you win, and then you get this bonus round if you get the rose. Exactly. Who can forget? I forget who was on this day. As I say, who can forget? But it was during Sean Lowe's season, and it was the Pretty Woman date. I forget the name of the player that was on it, but they went to somewhere downtown LA. They had this nice dinner. She's decked out in the dress and the diamond necklace, and then he sends her home, and then they had a private performance tacked onto the end of that date. But because he sent her home, he then goes back into the building and overlooks the private performance by himself from a balcony with a sad face. And they made that motherfucker stand on that balcony and shoot that shit. Look sad, dude. Listen to the music and look sad. And now drop the rose. I mean, it's astounding. I wish that they would do that as well. But alas. Or, you know, maybe they could do the private performance and they dance and they kiss. And then he goes over and picks up the rose and is like, I'd love to give you this rose, but I can't. That would be hilarious. (laughs) She has to leave and then he dances to the music by himself. <laughs> I love that. The the private performance is by Restless Road. It appears to be three tweens performing this song that is an interesting song. Some of the lyrics go, hold you close and keep the faith, raising kids with our last name, growing old with you. It was like some yes. values. 
being purported by the song. <laughs> what, what kind of values? I won't say. Keeping, she's gonna have my last name. She's gonna have my kids. Yes, some patriarchal Christian values, I believe we can say. Patriarchal, yeah. Okay, there we go. But one thing Clayton does say during this dance is he leans in, and I guess he whispers this. They have to sweeten the audio so we can hear it. He says, I will never dim your light. And she, ITM, seeing herself falling in love with him. That's a love level two loaded. I'll never dim your light. That's country Clayton. Oh, nice. I'll never dim your light. Portion seven begins. It's day. We see some ducks in the water. We're back at the hotel. Sierra, Gabby, and Genevieve are forced into a girl chat in which they are shit-talking all over Sinead. It's the three of them on a couch just saying what a piece of shit she is, and we then get this shot of Sinead, supposedly asleep one wall away, or like five feet away on the other side of this wall in the hotel. She is then supposedly awakened by the sound of them talking, and she gets up out of this bed and puts her ear to the wall to hear what they're saying. Now, we're going to get into what they say and all of that in a second, but we have to examine this scene, how this happened. There's only one of a few things can be true here. One is it's all 100% real. She happened to be in the room next to them. Those three mm-hmm. happened to just be in that room shit-talking her on the couch, and she literally was asleep, literally did hear them, literally did get out of bed and put her ear to the wall. That can be true. They're they're in the middle of the forested Houston city. You know, it's very quiet. <laughs> yeah, that can also be true. Bunch of strangers grilling meat invite you to come in with your camera crew to have a nice family dinner with them. But here, some other things can be true. The producer stationed all of these players in these locations and, t- and told Shanae they were talking about her while she was asleep, went into her room and said, hey, they're talking about you. Wake up and listen. Or what is most likely, Sinead's acting through all of this. She was not asleep at all. The producers told her to walk up to that wall. She probably can't even hear them through the wall. And she is just pretending to. And then they cut it together and the producers tell her what they said. I think that is what is most likely here. Or they are in a giant dollhouse. There isn't even this fourth wall. And they Mm. don't even have any wall that's right here she can hear around the wall she's just going to the wall for effect i like this now this is some conspiracy town bullshit you're talking about they're living in a dollhouse now it looked like a dollhouse to me like you can see the side of the wall i don't it felt very soap opera like oh yeah for sure we're having her like we've done the peeping tom before where i think demi was hiding out in a secret like room in the mansion do you remember this no there was some if some old season where there was like a chamber in the middle of the house where someone would like go and like listen to other conversations and stuff and i like that much more than this of like paper thin houstonian walls it's literally like one of the worst plot devices you can have in a scripted show or movie is like oh and then Mm. this character overhears someone talking about something it's like it's just the laziest writing and of course, here it's being applied to our beloved game. But whatever happened here is not what they're presenting. That's for sure. It's the equivalent of when um, Jasenia walked in on Chris Conran and Elana Milne making out at prom. Exactly. 
This is all completely set up. We don't know if it's 100% acted or like 80% acted, but certainly those three players were told to go in that room. It's what is called a girl chat. They were told to start talking about Shanae, and then Shanae was told by the producers to listen to that wall. Whether they were actually in those two real those rooms right next to each other or not, I don't know. But this was all manufactured. By the way, Sierra seems to have taken on the Aaron role, the leader of the Tattlers Union. She is suggesting that they all have to unionize in order to tell Clayton how bad Shanae is. And she says, then it's like we all did it, a.k.a. no one can be punished. She literally says it takes a team. She says the word <sighs> team. She's trying to initiate a team fucking tattle. If that's not gameplay, I don't know what fucking is. She's forming a team to launch a fucking tattle attack. This is a sport. If that's not gameplay, I know what is. It's Gabby's next line, which really stuck out to me, which was, luckily, there's a daytime and a nighttime portion. Yes. She knows it's a game. She's playing it. She's in the pit. And she's like, if it doesn't work out in the day, it can work out in the night. She is strategizing about when is the best time to launch a fucking tattle attack. All of this is open gameplay. And that's what I'm saying. Shanae will get shit on by these players for being competitive and trying to win. She's only here to win. Bah, 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 bah. They're openly playing a game here. They will not be attacked for it because they're doing it correctly. You can't be overt in your villainy or you're going to get that attack. Here, she has other players with her. She's making... This is Sierra I'm talking about. She's making sure she has that team because if you are on a team, it's like safety in numbers. Who the fuck do you target out of a team? Because the whole team will come for mm -hmm. you and then you're fucked. It's actually very strong play. But Shanae's ITMing, I'm pissed for them to plot to send me home. She puts on lip gloss like a 90s stepmom villain here. Says, these bitches aren't sending me home. And then we see another barbecue yeah. with roasting sausages. If the first grilling of dead corpses wasn't enough for you. But this is different. We're not in a Houston forest. We're at NRG Stadium. This is the stadium where the NFL team, the Houston Texans, plays all their home games. It's a giant fucking football stadium. It holds 72,000 people. Ooh. That's a big stadium for those keeping tabs. And we see Clayton grilling his meats as all the players show up in a van. We also get a bunch of shots of Hyundai. There are Hyundai logos yeah. everywhere. <laughs> As they are tailgating, <laughs> we even get a, a Hyundai commercial as he shows Gabby Windy how to <laughs> plug a fucking grill into the power outlet of this goddamn car. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. It's like NFL meat electricity coming out of your car. This is what these cars are good for. Fuck what gas mileage they get. You can fucking grill sausages with them. Uh. Clayton was like a dad showing his daughter how to use his favorite new tool at Sharper Image here. Yeah, that's right. Just plug it in there and then you press the power button and then your fucking corpses start to cook. This is also where we get, we get a bunch of shots of them playing cornhole and doing their tailgating and mm -hmm. stuff. And this is where we get briefly but we get it a shot of shanae grilling fucking shrimp everybody else is doing hamburgers and hot dogs she's got shrimp on the barbie this is very olympiosian i totally agree with her pasta then two men approach jonathan greenard the defensive lineman for the houston texas and camu 
Gorgier Hill, the linebacker. They have 20.4 thousand Instagram followers and 84.1 respectively. A linebacker. I'm going to guess that's the one on offense who is behind them. You you get one more guess. One more guess. You get Okay, defense. That's right. But then why isn't it called a defensive linebacker? They call it a defensive lineman. They are, technically speaking, backing the defensive line. There's usually three linebackers and the middle... They have the same position. Well, no, because the defense doesn't have quarterbacks. They're not trying to score. They're trying to stop the offense from scoring. So the offense has like a quarterback, running backs, wide receivers, a tight end. Mm. All of those people can receive the ball in handoff or whatever. Your linebackers are the guys in the middle. They're... Their primary job is to stop run plays. And so like middle linebackers are usually the toughest guy on the Mm. team, or at least historically speaking, those guys have been like the scariest football players because they really demolish people. What's the difference between a line man and a linebacker? The defensive line men are on the front line. So those are like the fucking giant 300 plus pound dudes that are like basically doing sumo wrestling against the other giant 300 plus pound dudes on the offensive line. The linebackers are just behind them and they're waiting for the run play to develop to try and see who has the ball tackle them. They're faster. They're yeah, they are a little faster, generally speaking. Well, another false prediction by Pace Case. <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, Jonathan tells them they're playing bachelor ball with a little twist. They're not playing two-hand touch, they're playing real life tackle football and It's a play for time. And they call it the fucking Bachelor Bowl. Uh, Like, come on. How much more do we have to sit and watch this before people recognize this as a professional sport? It's unreal to me. The NFL and The Bachelor is the same fucking thing in this moment. They are playing The Bachelor Bowl. They have two NFL guys coaching the fucking teams. They have, as we see when we get in there, an ex-NFL quarterback in Jesse Palmer and a current fucking anchor for Sports Center as the announcers of this. Anyway, Genevieve ITM is being terrified. This is, of course, a good way to build love. And Marlena is excited. She ITMs, I'm an Olympian, so throw the ball throw the ball to me and we'll win. I'm like, absolutely. She's so charming here. I loved it. It's unreal. You're, I mean, none of these players have played tackle football, I will assume. She's a fucking Olympic athlete. Uh, she will demolish them all. Of course. It's like, it, it, it almost is like uh, on Caitlin Bristow's season when they made him do the boxing date and the little like 150 pound kind of skinny guy had to go up against the fucking like 280 pound X D one college football player. And it was like, well, what's going to happen? Exactly that. The small guy's just going to get his head caved in and like two punches. Well, at least they're men. They have solid bones. I mean, women our bones are made of glass. <laughs> Our bones are made of glass. Our our brains are tiny. How are we supposed to do this? <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> Thanks for that information. I'm trying a little Joe Rogan on today. Is, is it working? Just say whatever I want. A big portion of Joe Rogan's audience is now going to come to our show. We'll get that Joe bump. Just like the NFL, the Bachelor Bowl is sponsored by Hyundai. And we see a million more Hyundai things. We see the players run on the field. Shanae plays the first IFI to Clayton. She has turf arm. She says, kiss it and make me feel better. This was a great play. 
gorgeous. Turn that IFI into chemistry play. Yeah. And it wasn't a belabored IFI. A la Victoria P. She wasn't like, I can't play the game tonight. I have to quit. Oh my God. I'm, I'm in such pain. She was just like, look, I got a fucking ouchie. Kiss it, make it better. And then she's right back in the game. This was a, it was a great IFI, I thought. A cute IFI. Not an open wound like we see later. <laughs> Portion eight. We get the one of the craziest things that we've ever seen on a football group date. We see Jesse Palmer. He is hosting this a la Dark Lord Harrison. This seems normal. Then we have Hannah Storm, who's playing the Fred Willard co-announcer type thing. And the Bachelor Bowl feels like they put a lot of money into this date. It is looking better filmed than normal or normal football group dates. They have a literal fucking Bachelor Nation sports logo, BNS, like an ESPN logo. They have it on screen. Now, if we're not entering a world where the Bachelor is a sport, what the fuck is that? They have a logo for Bachelor Nation sports. I don't know, sir. Anyway, Hannah Storm has 85,000 Instagram followers for those who might be wondering. She is an actual sports center anchor. And she was apparently on Winter Games, which I didn't remember. I didn't either. But they introduced the idea of the Bachelor Bowl, a competition for love, and they give us a literal history of football in The Bachelor through various (laughs) seasons in this clip package with an announcer. And we see touch football in various seasons. Ben Higgins, Jake Pavelka, Colton Underwood. We see them. They say JoJo had the first real Bachelor Bowl because it took place in an NFL arena. And then Kufrin had one as well. Peter Weber then had one. And now we're here. And they say Bachelor Nation lives and breathes the game. It's all in the name of love. (laughs) Praise be our beloved game. My note says, if this ain't a sport, fuck you. (laughs) That's that's the note (laughs) I wrote. (laughs) I'm just like, this is absurd. They then show off this trophy. And we already know what happens here because the promo Shanae's team is going to lose, obviously, and she's going to throw that trophy, but we have to get there. So no one knows how to play football in this game. By the way, they said only the winner grasped the ring. Oh, did they? Yeah. A ring winner. Hello. But none of these players know how to play football. Uh, it's all very bad play. We see people getting tackled without the football and fumbles everywhere, turnovers, turnovers everywhere. But we do see Marlena takes off and scores as predicted. And the Purple Punishers are up by seven at halftime. And Marlena wins in the area of, in the colorful narrator game. She uses the comedy rule of three with some of her colorful narration. There's going to be some blood. There's going to be some guts. There's going to be some weave on the field. Nice lines. And then we see Clayton talking to Teddy on the sidelines. And he's like, you have four tackles. You're the leading tackler. Pretty impressive. And she literally says, I'm working hard for you. I hope you can see that. This is open gameplay speech. She's saying, I'm indulging in this fucking dumb thing that I don't want to do. Are you seeing what effort I'm putting into it? She doesn't love football. She doesn't even love Clayton. She's saying, look how hard I'm working at this game. There are some other players working hard. Shanae, she pancakes Sierra, Marlena, pancakes Shanae, Marlena and the Purple Punishers win. And Jill ITMs, it sucks to not get time. I've been at this disadvantage and produces tears based on this losing the play for time. And Shanae's worried about what the other players are going to say about her 
at the winner's after-party celebration as she's going home. She's preparing her defense against this title attack. Portion 9 begins. It's the after-party. Clayton tells all the players that today was hilarious. They got physically (laughs) injured. He found it very funny. And he says he enjoyed the blood that was shed. Again, some sinister... Uh, I guess that's the Houston Clayton or what was it? The country Clayton coming out. He likes blood. I have that. He was surprised by the amount of blood that was shed, to be fair. Whatever. Take it how you like. But they all cheers and some ITM how happy they are that the losers are back home and there's not going to be any drama here. Marlena gets the ITM that says she doesn't have to worry about anything raining on her parade. We know there will be some rain. And we see the losers return to the house still in full football gear. So they made them get on a bus and fucking... Like a high school football team after a horrible loss, just like forced to ride back to your high school in your fucking full uniform. Like, oh, this sucks. It's hilarious. Could be worse. Remember when they forced the um, dodgeball Blake Moines and the dodgeball boys to go home naked and sad? Yes, I do remember that. They added in a little forced nudity on top of the forced violence. Jill and the blue team go home. Surprise, bitches. We fucking lost. Rachel does some great face play. Now she's really appreciating her random family she got to hang out with rather than do this horrible date. And back on the group date after party, Teddy gets the first one-on-one time. Payton says, do you have battle wounds? And she shows him her gross-skinned knee. Not only does she show him the gross-skinned knee, well... It was a good play because it got screen time and the way they shot it, they had a fucking camera operator an inch away from that thing shooting a low angle up to her face with the the skinned knee like right in the foreground. So she was using it as a way, I think, to get more screen time and it paid off. And she tells Clayton she's had kind of a hard week where she's been feeling like she has to gain his love and she throws out a PTC here. Her dad was gone and she had to try a lot to gain his love as well. She doesn't want her childhood to affect their relationship. And he tells her he gets it. He had a similar situation and he just wants her to keep being her and she gets a kiss. I was going to give this my play of the game because I thought this was a great PTC drop here, but we don't see the end of this date. We don't know who Mm. gets the group date row, so I don't know how it works out exactly. I did think it was a very good play, though. Sierra toasts the ladies for being respectful and they once again talk about how they're glad the other people aren't here. And Sierra says, well, we can either wait it out or talk to Clayton about it. She could do it to any of us, saying that Sinead could attack any of them for no reason. And, I mean, we're getting this attack. She, ITNs, she, Clayton needs to pick someone with good traits to be a mother. I just, we've seen this attack before on Ben Higgins this season when uh, Lauren Hemley attacked Jubilee for, like, not being mm-hmm. a good soccer, wouldn't be a good soccer mom. I don't like this attack. Back at the hotel, Shanae she has a plan. We go back to the date. We see Sierra's one-on-one. And she's (laughs) she tattles again. When you kept Shanae, the women were shocked based on her character. You wouldn't want someone like that to be your wife. And Clayton's like, yeah, I did see you guys uh, tackle each other. She didn't even have the ball. (laughs) What? Yeah. This tattle on Shanae by Sierra was my... Error, 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 error of the game. I think Sierra is now leaning so heavily into tattle attacks. It's all she has. It's her only play style. That will never get you into the hometown round. 
if all you're doing every time you're talking to the lead is tattling, you might be able to pick off a few players, but you're going home at some point too. And the fact that she says she was shocked by his decision to keep Shanae reveals to me she doesn't know a lot about the game. That was not his decision. The producers are keeping mm-hmm. Shanae. He doesn't give a fuck about Shanae one way or another. The producers are like, she needs to stay. We're building her into a two-on-one. We need to have that rivalry. And he's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Because he only cares about Susie and probably Rachel Reckia. And the rest of them don't matter. And pizza. And pizza. Genevieve gets one-on-one time. She also tattles on Shanae. And we go off on Shanae saying, why can't I have some fun? Well, she's going to be interloping. Portion 10, Shanae interlopes. I love these crazy shots they have of her just walking the streets of Houston. Like she just, she left the hotel and just started walking like the Terminator. She's got a fucking mission to get to this fucking after party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, can't be stopped. (laughs) And she is perfectly timed to crash this date during Sarah's one-on-one time. Performs a steal. Clayton, were you on the losing team? Shanae says no. And he's like, the blue squad lost. As if he doesn't know the producers have brought her. She can't show up here without the third audience facilitating all of it. This is either their idea or it's her idea. And they're like, yeah, we'll facilitate that. I assume Mm -hmm. it's their idea, though. They went to her and said like, hey, we know you need to talk to him if you want to come down. So even here the lead and we know Colton or Clayton is a little naive about how the show works, at least through his own admission. He'd only seen a few episodes before coming into it, blah, blah, blah. But by this point, you have to be a little savvy. You have to understand the producers are making all this shit happen just to make your life a living hell. And that is what is happening here. <laughs> Clayton says the blue squad lost and Shanae says, I deserve to be here. So I wanted to come see you. And Sarah makes an amazing face play at this. <laughs> but she successfully pulls off this steal and Sarah goes to tell the other players, guess what just happened? Shanae gets this one-on-one time and he says, I do want to ask you a few questions. I don't know why this is still a thing. And she explains that she was trying to take a nap. She heard someone say her name. She put her ear to the wall or was she in a dollhouse? And she <laughs> heard them plotting. Get 14 <sighs> girls to gang up on Shanae to send me home. This is really a counter tattle. It's like, if Mm -hmm. I was being tattled on, well, let me tattle some tattling back to the tattlers. The tattlers were telling you lies, or at least the tattlers weren't telling you all of the truth about why they were tattling. They too were plotting and scheming. It's kind of like what we saw Kelsey Weir do on Pilot Pete season when she was in a thing with Tammy and she preemptively did a knock-knock, but this is interloper style. And... Shanae says that she was a team player today. Meanwhile, we cut back to Sierra, who's calling her Karen. Can I speak to your manager? We cut back to Clayton and Shanae, and Clayton apologizes to her, says, sorry, I was a little surprised, and they kiss. And we then see, we cut to Clayton forklifting Shanae onto the bar. Unreal. Yes. Let's go. That is the ultimate fucking Viking. All right. You're pulling out an homage (laughs) to Popeye Peter Weber. This is country, Clayton. Oh, I loved seeing this. It just, it encapsulated that feeling for at least a brief second for me of season 24, that we are back in that realm of the game. 
where a lead can have the signature chemistry play. I don't know if we'll ever see him do it again, but fuck, I love seeing it. Thank you, Clayton, for doing that. We haven't seen Clayton twirl anyone. I thought he was going to do a spin move on people. He hasn't. We've seen him do some dancing, though. Uh, He says it's a nice bar, sturdy countertop. Yeah, I think he was implying something else there. He was trying to escalate that chemistry game. But the other women can't understand how Shanae could have uh, lost the football game. It still wound up at the after party, they're saying. However, could it happen? Uh, It's the producers. It's, It's just the producers. It's the people that are controlling everything that's happening in your lives for the next two months. It's them. They're the ones who who did this as well. We also see Shanae has a patch on her arm where she's sustained injury. Everybody's fucked up from this football game. Why are they playing tackle football? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, it's to no, it's to find love. Our bones are glass. It's to find love, though. That's how you find love is you play tackle football against people that you hate. Shanae then walks out to the rest <laughs> of the women as she's ITMing that she's winning. And Genevieve says, what the fuck are you doing hey, here? Hey. Shanae says, keep my name out of your fucking mouth. She picks up the fucking trophy they won and throws it in a bush. <laughs> And Shanae grabbing the trophy and throwing it in the bush was my error, 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 error of the game. Not because she took the trophy and threw it, but because she could have punted it field goal style into the bushes, bringing us back to the day portion. I would have really loved to see that. Yeah, that's true. I would have liked that too. I think she was probably told by the producers to do this. This was the same thing we saw Pizzapreneur do to Will Urena's jacket in Michelle Young's mm-hmm. season. He won that on the Top Gun date, of course. That was the trophy, if you will, of that group date. You've seen Jordan Kimball do it to the giant teddy bear into the ocean on Bachelor in Paradise. We've seen Demi, no, Mari do it to Demi's cake on Bachelor yeah. in Paradise. We've seen someone through a picture frame into the pool. A lot of thrown items in our beloved game. But Shanae then says in an ITM, it's the Shanae show now, not The Bachelor which is Mm. not true, but for this episode, it was. And then we get (laughs) next week, waterfalls, roller coasters, some kissing, hot tubs, helicopters. Sinead does a mic drop. We get an open mic reading and somebody, I forget who this was, is comparing Sinead to herpes. Marlena. Marlena. So we'll get that. We see a two-on-one. We see Sinead and Genevieve are on that two-on-one. Clayton's head is spinning. This made me so excited. We're getting an actual two-on-one date. I think Sinead... Goddamn. I think she's going to lose it, unfortunately. Yeah, I think she is. We get more waterfalls, more kisses. We see Clayton telling three women that he's in love with them. We see these LL4s everywhere. And we see, of course, the thing we've seen all season here. This is the big fence jump moment. I'm in love, or I was intimate with both of you. And I'm so broken through tears. And then we get our tag. Sarah in her one-on-one is sharing her most embarrassing story, which was apparently that she peed her pants while in the presence of Buster Rhymes (laughs) at a nightclub. It's pretty embarrassing. Sarah can't pee. Sarah can't poop. Sarah can pee right in front of Buster Rhymes. And that's it. That is this week's big game. Who was your MVP? For... Encountering one of the strangest one-on-one date types, the bystander banquet, and performing beautiful chemistry play throughout with a flourish for my play of the game, her heartbreak PTC, Rachel Recchia was my MMMMVP. 
Key. Who was yours? Rachel Reckia probably deserves it, but I ain't giving it to her. I'm going to give it to somebody who entertained the living shit out of me. We never thought you were fair. I'm not. I'm purely subjective, at least in my MVP giving and my play of the game Mm -hmm. and my creature of the week and my bystander of the week. These are our personal awards. We can give them to whoever we like for whatever reasons. I will evaluate all play objectively, but my awards are my awards. That's my fun time. So... <laughs> I am so sorry. I did not mean to imply that I wanted to take away your fun time at all. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Shanae gets my M M M M M V P. Look, I know she's a villain. I know she's probably going to go home next week. I know she's making errors, but this whole show was hers. She had more screen time than anybody. She's being fully incorporated into scripted bits by the producers where she's like listening Mm -hmm. through, as you put it, the dollhouse wall and all this shit. She's throwing trophies. Shanae is made for Paradise. And I think we're going to see her do hopefully explosive stuff in Paradise. But it could also be a scenario where it's like a Victoria Larson where she gets there and just Mm. fucking like nothing happens. But tonight I thought was definitely her night. And I think she deserves the MVP because without her, I'm not sure what this is going to be. Like, I'm not sure what the floaters are going to do when she leaves. They're not going to have anybody to attack, nothing to target. It'll be very boring after she's gone until we get to playoffs. Yeah, I think so. Unless we haven't seen any like clips of like another villain rising, I guess we could see it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am worried for what the show will do when it's no longer the Shanae show. I think Susie Evans will start to emerge, not as a villain, but as like a star player. Um, By the way, I forgot that I have, (laughs) I have a minor correction for Mark Twibben last Mm. week. When we were talking about the scream from the the couple that bought each other the necklaces, yeah, and I was referencing the gift of the magi, I mistakenly was referring to the gift of the magi version that was on Sesame Street. Okay, not the actual book, right? So it was like a the actual book. Their gifts are combs and a watch and a watch chain, not uh, the soap tray as they did on Sesame Street. Right. That I watched as a child. So It's a great correction. I know a lot yeah. of people out there were very mad about it. I got some messages. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. How do you think I even know that I got this wrong? Well, I'm glad you corrected it. Yeah. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for this breakdown of tonight's big game. We will be back Friday with This Week in Bachelor Nation. We're going to be breaking down all the news that is happening this week in our beloved game, all those parasocial plays, all them gains. We're going to have our screams our state of the world. And, you know, we can firmly say one thing will definitely be covered in that the birth of little Dawson Dimitri Iaconetti. Just kidding. Hi, Bond. Should have given him Iaconetti as a last name. Think you made a mistake there. That might be my parasocial error of the week. No, but like the song in this episode said, the whole family has to have the same last name. It will be the man's last name. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I forgot. And before we go, as always, what is that bat? It has been 
7,253 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... Um three body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water preservatives or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by get this 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven day routine, tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things, and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, Frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. 